Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in seminary, especially during my first semester, I struggled with something called imposter syndrome. I didn't feel as if I belonged there. I felt like someone must have made a mistake in the admissions office. The other graduate students that were there were older than me. Many of them had previous work experience inside and outside of the church. In the hallways and in the classrooms, I would overhear these conversations between other students and realize that I had no idea what they were talking about. The insider language and the scholarly references seemed to go right over my head. It felt as if I was obviously out of place amongst all of these bright minds. I actually found myself kind of nodding along to the way people were talking as if I understood what they were saying. I tried to put on this false confidence in the way that I spoke and the way that I wrote my papers. I ultimately lied about who I was and what I understood. And it didn't stop there. I desperately wanted to belong with these smart people. I found myself obsessing over all of the knowledge that my classmates seemed to possess. I wanted what they had. I wanted their confidence. I wanted their experiences. I wanted their job opportunities. I longed for their knowledge, for their language, for their understanding. I found myself coveting their lives and the way they seemed to sail right through seminary. In one fell swoop, during my very first semester, I had already broken the last two commands of the Ten Commandments. The last two commands are these from Exodus 20, verses, I know these, I'm teaching them, 16 and 17. Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Do not desire your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Simply put, we commonly hear these two commands as do not lie and do not covet and act upon it. It is not difficult to understand why these two are included on this famous list of commandments. Lying is rarely a victimless crime. Someone is almost always hurt by a lie. And coveting and then acting upon that jealousy by taking someone else's things or people hurts others too. When we break any of these 10 commandments, someone is hurt. Whether we're lashing out at God, at our neighbor, or at ourselves someone's in the crossfires. That's the thing about these commandments. It takes all of them together to really bear fruit. We cannot just do those very first four. Those are the ones about our relationship with God. And we can't just do the last six, the ones that are about our relationship with others. 
We have to consider both our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. This is something that is super relevant to each of us. How many times have we heard that the Bible contains this certain rule, so there's no wiggle room or contextual evidence that could ever change that? We see these arguments in the news, in our politics, in our schools, and yes, even in our churches. This fixation with following the letter of the law without taking into consideration anything else. Honestly, this is where the danger can lie within the Ten Commandments, when we become comfortable following these ten rules. Because when we become comfortable following these, when they're part of our everyday life, sometimes we can start patting ourselves on the back or we can start looking down upon those who struggle to follow them. Even worse, sometimes we allow these 10 rules to become barriers in our relationships with one another. While this feels exasperated in our society, this is not a struggle that is unique to us. Throughout our sermon series, we have looked both at these ancient Ten Commandments that are found in the Old Testament, and we've looked at the teachings of Jesus on some of these commands. Our final scripture for this sermon series will be from Matthew's Gospel. Jesus himself was dealing with a similar situation to us. The culture around Jesus and the Jewish people was so consumed with following the law to the T that they were actively hurting others in the process. Pharisees were Jewish people in Jesus' time who were considered legal experts, meaning they got the last say on things like rules and interpretations that are found within Scripture. The Pharisees during this time had been pushing purity laws on the people. These laws were actually hindering ordinary, everyday people from partaking fully in the faith. Whenever these everyday people were unable to follow the laws, when they were unable to purify themselves because of their work or because of their income or because of their social status, they were unable to take part fully with their community and with their faith. These people were left out. They were hurt. They were an even more marginalized people. And then Jesus came. And Jesus did what Jesus does throughout Scripture. Jesus challenged their authority. And Jesus advocated for love. That's the scene we see played out here in Matthew's gospel. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 37. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. So we have a Pharisee who's about to test Jesus. And he asked Jesus this, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? 
Jesus replied, and here Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is a commandment, like I said, found in Deuteronomy. It is often considered the greatest commandment. It is the command that the Pharisees live their life by. It is why they are so passionate about things like purity laws and following these teachings, these ancient teachings of the Old Testament. And as Jesus quotes this greatest commandment, as Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your being, the Pharisees are probably nodding to themselves. They're probably feeling pretty smug. Jesus has seemingly admitted that the Pharisees were right to place such a high emphasis on the law because in doing so, they are doing just what this command asks, to love God with all their heart, being, and mind. But let's not forget, this is Jesus we're talking about. And Jesus always has a way of turning what we expect on its head. Right after this, Jesus continues. The second commandment is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say Thanks be to God. So Jesus has already quoted that greatest commandment that the Pharisees feel so good about. And now Jesus quotes another commandment. This is often referred to as the golden rule. It's originally found in the book of Leviticus. And when Jesus quotes the golden rule, he opens up everyone's eyes to the fact that it's not enough to just follow that greatest commandment because we cannot separate loving God from loving one another. And that's where the Pharisees got it wrong. It's where we all get it wrong. The Ten Commandments can be tricky for us because we can be tempted into choosing God over others, or maybe even choosing others over God. The truth is we must have both aspects in order to follow Christ. We must follow all 10 commandments together. In short, we must follow the greatest commandment and the golden rule, just like Jesus teaches us. The Pharisees were not willing to budge on the law, even when it meant that innocent, well-intentioned, faithful people were being hurt. How many people are we hurting when we become so consumed with our reading of the rules of the Bible and not the love of God and people that we see demonstrated by Christ? It may not be a surprise to many of you, but I am a bit of a rule follower. Yes, I like to push back and question authority sometimes, but rules make me feel very safe and comfortable. When I see a rule or when I hear guidelines, I'm like, yes, someone has put thought into this. We have something to follow. And when I was in middle school, still quite a rule follower, this interesting thing happened. I found myself gravitating toward learning about historical figures 
who actually openly broke the law, who broke rules. I yearned to hear more of those kinds of stories. Maybe it was kind of like the rebel in me. Oh, people break rules? Tell me more. I found myself enamored by stories of people like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr., stories of people who helped Jewish people find refuge during the Holocaust, stories of people like Gandhi and Nelson Mandela, stories of people like Harvey Milk and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. I gravitated toward historical figures who openly broke the law for the greater good. Maybe this was part of my calling. Maybe this was me seeing Jesus a little bit in each of them. One of my favorites of such people was Susan B. Anthony. She was passionate about social justice. She worked to help abolish slavery and to gain equal rights for both women and African Americans. Along with a friend, Susan B. Anthony founded the Women's Loyal National League, and they actually secured 400,000 signatures in support of the abolition of slavery. It was the largest petition at that time. And my favorite part of Anthony's story was when she broke the law in 1872 and she voted in the presidential election, even though it was illegal for women to vote at the time. Anthony was actually arrested. She was found guilty and she was charged $100. She never paid that fine. <laughs> which is also one of my favorite parts of the story. Uh, the 19th Amendment, the right for the women to vote, was finally passed in 1920. It was actually 14 years after her death. The amendment was nicknamed the Susan B. Anthony Amendment. She dedicated her life to equal rights, and she never got to see it to fruition. There's some definite Moses vibes there. Now, when we talk about these rule breakers or these people who pushed against authority do not hear me say that the Ten Commandments or the other laws in the Old Testament are unimportant or that they are things we should all go and break. I'm not saying that. There is real fruit in these laws, especially the Ten Commandments. Hello, we just did a whole sermon series about it. But we don't do the Ten Commandments justice. We don't follow the greatest commands when we hurt people in the process. Susan B. Anthony is quoted as saying this, I distrust people who know so well what God wants them to do because I notice it always coincides with their own desires. I wonder if that quote is true of the Pharisees. I wonder if that quote is true of us. When we are so consumed with right and wrong, with following and breaking commands, that we are not allowing the greatest commandment and the golden rule to be our compass. These 10 commandments are meant to help us love God and to love one another. The challenge for each of us is to work on threading that needle where we're able to follow both aspects without neglecting God and without neglecting our neighbor. Jesus came to challenge the world, 
to open up our minds that there may be more to these ancient teachings than we could ever imagine. May we each have the wisdom to be rule followers in moments where God is honored and neighbor is loved. And may we also have the wisdom to recognize moments where God is being dishonored and our neighbor is being overlooked. May we have the courage to act and to act courageously in the name of God and in love of our neighbor. Amen.